plausibly, context and culture are interconnected to a certain degree. For example, context and culture may influence each other. This line of reasoning imputes that context matters. However, expressing the context at the beginning minimizes confusion. The aforesaid academic statement seems logical, plausible, and rational, especially when the same is juxtaposed against the assertions of William H. Edmondson, Isabella Savar, Rakuri Masurchi, and Kui Wan purports that context is one of those elusive slippery concepts difficult to navigate, which everyone knows and understands in some sense, but comports itself as difficult to define or work with formally. However, these findings may have been the catalyst responsible for persuading philosophers, linguists, psychologists, and computer scientists to study this concept. Importantly, although it appears that context and culture combined are almost as synonymous, yet they create ambiguity and in all probability may influence and stimulate learning and teaching in different ways. The context is basically the background or framework surrounding the act of communication. In this sense, culture, as much as grammar and vocabulary, has a powerful effect on communication. It is also reported that the famous anthropologist Edward T. Hall studied the effect of context and culture on communication. Merriam Webster defines context as the parts of a discourse that surround a word or passage and can shed light on its meaning. They understand that words, sentences, passages can mean a lot of different things. Context provides meaning and clarity to the intended message. Whenever you use a fact or quote from another source, it's important that you tell the reader a bit about the information first. This is what we mean by context. Historically, the word context is derived from the Latin words con, meaning together, and theorex, meaning to wave. The raw meaning of it is therefore weaving together, while the word culture derives from a French term which in turn derives from the Latin cora, which means to tend to the earth and grow, or cultivation and nurture. Correspondingly, what is uniquely interesting, culture and context are derived from Latin. Context helps readers understand unfamiliar texts, gives the reader an idea of who and what, helps define unknown words, or make sense of outside information, allows the audience to understand the writer's intent and reason for including the information. Content is the material, matter, medium, contained within the work that's available for an audience. Context is, is the positioning of the content, storyline or purpose that provides value to the audience. Observing the protocols of context is important because it helps you connect 
and create a relationship with the reader. It helps you communicate your point of view clearly, making it easier to understand. It allows you and others to be more creative. Context equals the surrounding circumstances, ideas and words woven together to form the setting or background for an event, statement or idea. The accepted protocols should be observed whenever you use a fact or quote from another source. It is important that you tell the reader a bit about the information first. This is what we mean by context. You need to literally surround that piece of information with text that illuminates its meaning and relevancies. Context in language is what surrounds a word or piece of text. In order to understand what words mean, we have to know something about the situation where they are used. In speech, the social setting as well as the language help the listener to understand what is said. Rhetorical context refers to the circumstances surrounding an act of reading and or composition. Operating in this environment are two types of contexts physical context, such as where a sign is located, and linguistic context, such as preceding sentences in a passage. There's also verbal context, which influences the way an expression is understood. Hence, the norm of not citing people out of context. An index is a sign, which signifies by virtue of pointing to some component in its context, or, in other words, an indexial sign is related to its object by virtue of their co-occurrence within some kind of contextual frame. Therefore, in the philosophy of language, the context principle is a form of semantic holism, holding that a philosopher should never act for the meaning of a word in isolation, but only in the context of a proposition. Importantly, Despite its restrictions, the informal language theory, a context-sensitive language, is a language that can be defined by a context-sensitive grammar. Context-sensitive is one of the four types of grammars in the Chomsky hierarchy. This brings into focus an opaque context or Referentially opaque context is a linguistic context in which it is not always possible to substitute co-referential expressions without altering the truth of sentences. The expressions involved are usually grammatically singular terms, so substitution of co-referential expressions into an opaque context does not always preserve truth. It, it is noted that an Authorial context is a means by connecting a particular work to the author's life. You use sources such as exploring, biographical context, and the useful resources are biographies, autobiographies, or memoirs, but the author or people who knew the author as well. Historical context refers to the time period in which a story occurs. Both historical events, like wars and time periods, like the Great Depression, can influence the story. Socio-historical context literary works often respond in some way to the society in which they are written, and most often that response 
takes the form of criticism. Think about how this particular work depicts society. To consider philosophical context, it determines which philosophical trends the author admires, which he or she is rejecting. To whatever else literary works respond, they also respond to other literary works. Authors respond to other authors positively, negatively, or both. Consider some of the following questions. How does a particular work fit into broader categories of literature? Can it be characterized by a particularism, such as Romanticism, Realism, Naturalism, Essentialism, Modernism, or Postmodernism? If so, how does it fit into and help us define the larger category, and how can we tell? Once any work is published, it begins to attract criticism. If it is noticed at all, that is, critics begin to write about it, expressing what they admire and what they dislike about it. Early criticisms typically takes the form of book reviews, which are usually brief and concentrate mostly on explaining to prospective readers what a work's subject matter, theme, tone, and style are, and whether it is any good. Over time, however, critics begin to reflect more deeply they are no longer concerned with recommending that people read a work. Rather, they assume a significant number of people have already read it, and they attempt to explain something about it that the average reader might not have noticed or considered. They point out hidden meanings, influences, and patterns, and they make connections between this work and others, and between this author and others. This is the realm of serious literary criticism. On the other hand, once deeper critical reflection has begun to appear, nothing guarantees progress. In the humanities, something written in the 1900 or 1940 may well be more perceptive and exciting to read than something written in the 1990s. Of note, culture is a concept that often evokes thoughts of a monad a Mozart symphony, or ballerines in turns dancing, Swan Lake. In the popular vernacular, culture often refers to the arts. A person that is cultured has knowledge of and is a patron of the arts. Then there's pop culture. What trends are current and hip? Within anthropology, these things are simply aspects of culture. To understand, the anthropological culture concept, we need to think broader and holistically. Anthropologists have long debated an appropriate definition of culture. Even today, some anthropologists criticize the culture concept as oversimplifying and stereotyping culture. Since the 1970s, many scholars have explored ideas about culture and context, and have also asked questions about the act of investigating such things. Understandings of race and ethnicity, cultural values, historical perspective, modes of communication, and the importance attached to different kinds of knowledge and skill are just a few of the topics that have been examined and re-examined as researchers have sought to understand the complex dynamics between culture, context, and learning. The concept of context is here understood in a wider way that includes different kinds of contexts 
social, cultural, mental and bodily. Kenzie Softner advocates that in 1976, Edward T. Hall proposed that cultures can be divided into two categories, high context and low context. The concept has been a popular frame of reference since its introduction 40 years ago and is used as a training tool to this day. The differentiation between high and low context cultures is meant to highlight differences in how cultures communicate. The more that I analyze this topic by comparing and contrasting various scenarios where people are in discussions, in most instances, their responses to timeless questions are contingent upon whether the parties involved are expert practitioners and in all probability, all of the parties involved may be conversing about separate things. Therefore, the manner that the people exhibited imply that the context is different and context matters. In view of all the data research and the theories included in this text, plausibly, context and culture are interconnected to a certain degree and since the manner that one comports itself may influence the other suggests that context matters and therefore it would be prudent in expressing the context at the beginning minimizes confusion was framed in ISBN 978-976-96506-95.